Schofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Vegas, of course, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. We've got uh, first four coming up here in just a little bit in the NCAA tournament. I think I'll be watching the NIT. Adam Hill is here as the company at Steve Cofield. Ari is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. want to remind you that we've got a great bracket contest, our Lotus Broadcasting Bracket Contest, Bracket Mania Challenge. It's presented by South Point and our friends at DLC. So get up there, lvsportsnetwork.com. Enter. you got to be in by Thursday morning. We've got over $3,000 in prizes, including $2,500 in cash to the winner. I mean, that's a good prize that's on par with a lot of the national contests, and we won't have 8.7 million people in our contest. So get in. Get in. LVSportsNetwork.com. Let's get to it. Big four. We always start off the 4 o'clock hour listing some of the biggest stories of the day. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So four teams made the NCAA field from the Mountain West Conference Tournament. I didn't get your take on this. Surprised? Deserving? Number five conference in the country by the net. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, Nevada struggled down the stretch for sure. And uh, they, they probably felt pretty nervous going in. And I think a lot of people were very surprised when their name was announced. I know that was, I think, when I was following along on Twitter during the selection show, that was the strongest reaction I saw nationally was, what is this? Uh, but you know, I think we all feel pretty strong that the Mountain West is a very, very good league. Uh, but individually, is how teams are supposed to be based, and it seems like it's not always the case. It seems like even though you make the jokes all the time of "Hey, blind resumes," it's, it's not. And well, it seems know. like it has been. I mean, for people who use that to kind of bash on the committee and say that the Mountain West is going to get a raw deal, they've gotten four teams in the last two years. No, and, but I mean, they looked and, at it and said it's the opposite. Like okay. you're, what you're—they're not—they're ignoring the past and they're just saying, look. Mountain West is a good enough league right now that they should have four teams. Let's put four teams in. Like, that seems what it was. Not not saying they're being punished from the past of losing every game, but more look, looking ahead and saying, hey, really, really good conference, fifth best in the country. They deserve to have multiple bids just like other teams, other conferences around that level. So I know we've gone round and round on the notion that, hey, uh, local fans here in Vegas, you got to root for the rest of the conference no matter which school it is. I don't. I don't love that. And one of the schools I do not want to root for is San Diego State. And again, we saw the last week with three different stories. And I don't know that you were following it that closely. But there were some angles that were thrown out there. And I think it's directly from Brian Dutcher. Before the tournament, one was, hey, what about buys in the Mountain West Conference tournament like the West Coast Conference does? What do you think about that? And by the way, that was put forth by a San Diego State writer. Again, on, I'm sure on the discussion, the suggestion of, I'm not saying he's writing for Dutcher, but something Dutcher had talked about. Does the Mountain West Conference, a conference that just got four teams in, need to advance the top two teams from the regular season past the quarterfinal round? Well, it, it depends on what the ultimate goal is. If the ultimate goal is to allow teams to go further in the NCAA tournament, it's maybe something to think about. That's, that's the... That is why this is being floated. Right. So for those that, that, that don't, you know, that did maybe follow it, the, the concept is that the Mountain West is so loaded and so good 
that you come down to Vegas for three days and try to play for some teams four days and four games in four days. But for the top teams, three games in three days, and it's tough every single game, and it's a battle, and you play through altitude and everything else, and then you get so worn out by being in Vegas for three days that you have nothing left for the NCAA tournament, and that's why teams have struggled in the NCAA and why the West Coast Conference has had Gonzaga, who's been able to advance because they play earlier. They have time to rest. Sometimes even throw a game in there because they've rested too long. Uh, that they're, you're trying to protect how teams play in the tournament. Now, that is helpful for a team that's clinched their spot, but other right. teams might need to come down here and win a couple games to get in, and it's not helpful. So it, it's, it's a tough I, choice. I, here's, I think San Diego State, and this is a San Diego State story, San Diego State saying that they're equal to Gonzaga as compared to the rest of the conference. Now, they've been immensely successful, and they're generally in the top three. I don't think that's an equivalent. And the other thing is, okay, well, then you mentioned the solution. Don't play the tournament traditionally the same weekend everyone else does. Play it the week before. But they're not going to do that because they they need the TV you know exposure. Yeah. So yeah. they're caught there. San Diego State also, uh, they were trying to float this thing about players' welfare and having to play a semifinal game on Friday night and then bouncing back for a 3 o'clock game on big CBS on Saturday. Oh, that's not good for the players. Can we stop, please? Well, I think, that's, I think that's accurate. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. It's You guys it's, are just arguing to argue. They're 22-year-old kids. And in the case of – I mean, I, if you want to argue, I, maybe you could go with this. Actually, all the players are old. Because San Diego State's got a bunch of old guys, and so sure. does Utah State. So I guess it it's a, a cheat on the 24- and 25-year-olds. This is – this is lunacy. This is co- this is coaches bitching about some anything they complain about. I don't know. I've, so so what what's the solution? You play the next night at eight o'clock at night, go with a late slot, or is that going to make them unhappy because it's too late? No, I think that's what that's what they would want. That's what they'd want to do. Or play by the way, play the semis earlier, maybe. Like you could you maybe you you talk to them and say, hey, look, you're going up against five or six other conferences on Saturday night. Why don't you play an early slot? Play like one and three thirty. So it sounds like, why don't they just start the tournament uh, the same time as the West Coast Conference and take a day off every day in between the tournament, and it'll be like a six-day tournament. And then you'll have plenty of rest at the end. Well, then you're paying a lot more for hotels. And oh, okay. Mad about, well, yeah, players, I guess everything can't be, mad be perfect about for San Diego State. I don't think this is San Diego because yes. the San Diego State usually play the night, the late night semifinal? It is. I, I, think, I think it's a quality of game issue. The finals, to me, almost every year are trash in the Mountain West. Yeah, because the conference is built – around bully ball by San Diego State. So every team tries to build their roster the same way. And even Utah State is gigantic, and they get sucked into bully ball. Yeah, but I th- but there's also – one of the teams is not starting film until 2, oh, stop. two 3 a.m.? You're right. Against a team you already played twice, you need to watch a lot of film. Well, teams do change and alter what they do. These, these guys are making a lot of money. They're all great coaches. I, I think – Ryan the- Odom can break down a game just like Brian Dutcher and his staff can. Yeah, but how much of an advantage is it to, to be done three hours earlier? That's three extra hours to prepare. Oh that's, my god, yeah, that's what it is. it is. It is. It is. This we have teams and programs at the top of the conference that are going to complain about no matter what. And here's the bottom line: you don't want to be in the conference. Leave. But I, I think they want to go to the Pac-12. You're right about enjoy the it. Enjoy, enjoy being like BYU, where BYU is going to get power five money, but you don't get the flex your muscle and no one cares what you have to say anymore but you're right about the buys and like that is a san diego state thing trying to improve their stock in the ncaa tournament when they don't need to be here but the playing a late night game that usually ends around 12 and by the press conference is usually over at like 
1245, 1 a.m., oh, and then you're trying to play a 3 p.m. game oh, the next day yeah, and do a full, later for do full film. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's, that's preposterous. It's preposterous. It is. That, you don't, that you're going to pitch so they don't have the time. Come on. Stop. Why don't they just start the final at 2 a.m. after the semifinal game? What, what does it matter? They could. Sure, let's do it. Why not? It, it, that's not that's not good for the quality of the game. It's just every, not. But every, almost every conference deals with the same thing. No, the Pac-12 goes at seven thirty. Isn't it five? And by the way, you could also tell that San Diego State was whining about having to go to Orlando instead of getting to stay home or near home in Sacramento, like the two other teams that made the. Field. All these things. Just, all it's just, it's the other whining. the other things are absolutely. You're absolutely right on the. Turning around that quickly for the Mountain West final game has been something that's bothered me for the last 14 years, I think. Number three. Raiders have picked up three defensive players on pretty cheap deals. Linebacker, two defensive backs. Uh, Nothing so far on the offensive line, right? Broncos spent $219 million in contracts yesterday. Lion's share of it, about 45 or 50% of it, went to two offensive linemen. Your case is the Raiders O-line is not in that much disrepair you think they could just use some tweaking and they're good the broncos had yeah. to do this well and also there, there are two different situations right i mean you just mentioned the number that they spent and what's the cap hit for this year like for like 21 million for all those contracts because they're pushing everything down the road and saying we need to try to win right now i don't think that's something the raiders should be trying to do i think that would be very foolish to try to negotiate contracts and move deals around like that that's that's silly when you're probably not going to be able to compete anyway. Um, but the Broncos feel like they need to do that because they need to take advantage of the contract they have Wilson on. They need to take the con- what, what they gave up to get Sean Payton on all those things. So they need to try to win. Raiders are in a different situation. But, yeah, I think that their offensive line is decent. And I, like, they also, by the way, have a very high pick. If they want to add to the offensive line, they can do it coming up in a couple of weeks, just six weeks or so. Um, they've got 12 picks. They can use several of those on offensive line. They use several last year of guys that are developing. So I think they are working on it. They're just not making a big splash on it right now. And I, I don't think they have a long way to go, although losing a Luminor seems pretty big to me. Number two. What do we read into with the uh, expenditure so far on the Raiders' defense? Solid players. They have their strengths. These are not blockbuster deals in Marcus Epps. Brandon Faison and now Robert Spillane today at linebacker, all between you know ten million and twelve million over a couple of years max. You know guarantees in the four to six million range. What do you think? Yeah, they're just they're piecing some things together right now. That, that's what they're doing. They're not making a big splash. They're not making any long term commitments. Um, they're just trying to field a competitive roster for next year. Um, that's that's what it looks like they're trying to do with this with this setup. And I think that they believe that they're going to be good enough. These guys are going to be good enough that they can take a step forward, that they had okay seasons and showed some promise, and, hey, maybe they'll be good. Uh, but, yeah, like this is not this is a very different approach than it seemed to be last year when it seemed like they were playing as if they were all in. I don't think that they believe that right now, and that's not the direction that they're going in. So it's, it's contracts that are not going to tie you up for multiple years, and I think that seems to be the philosophy right now. Do you think they go after any big prizes? Do they need to? And what would be that position? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you would say Garoppolo was. No, no, uh, I meant on defense. Oh, uh, maybe. I mean, it doesn't seem like they were in the Jalen Ramsey sweepstakes at all. Um, I wouldn't have been either. So, yeah, I don't I don't know that there is unless somebody, you know, a lot of times we see all these big contracts right away and then there's a bunch of big names. You're like, wait, that guy didn't sign yet? 
And you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. You can pick that guy. Maybe he's a little cheaper than you thought. So there's a middle class. I think there is that middle class, but guys that you th- you might think right now are, are upper class, but they end up being middle class, and you can you can hit those. Number one. So the big news today, you know, we're talking about some of the smaller acquisitions, and today we plan on talking a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Garoppolo's targets changed a bit. Jacoby Myers is in. Darren Waller is out. Myers, a receiver from the Patriots, signing for about 11 mil a year. Waller is out to the Giants, fetched a third-round pick. We mentioned some of the dynamics around Waller and his relationship with his teammates and the double wedding thing a couple of weeks ago. Was there a feeling when you talk to other Raiders players, you talk to Raiders brass, maybe off the record, um, that Waller did have one foot out the door, didn't feel like he was part of the team? Well, I think that I mean that all goes back to last season uh, with you know what what was aired publicly, at least semi publicly, by Derek Carr's camp and um, expressing some frustration. And I think, yeah, you've seen it. You know, he's a different type of person, and I think he's he's pretty clear that Darren Waller believes that his life is more important than the team's life, and so do I. Like, I don't disagree with that, but I think there is that is a weird you know concept. When everything's supposed to be team, 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 team in the NFL and in football in general. And you're like, hey, look, I, I have things that I need to deal with, me personally. And, um, you know, I'm here to make my money and, and have make a living. But um, I do, you know, have these other, you know, this other part of me that I care about my my well-being and my mental health and all those other things. And I think that's very important. But it doesn't always fit in with the team concept. So I, I do think that there's times when you're not catching 100 passes and you're not catching 10 touchdowns that that does become a little bit of an issue. It's Cofield and Company. Lob for Iguodala. Andre waits, pass to Poole. Squares up, lets it fly. Three ball on the right wing. Jordan Poole has hit some really big shots here in the second half. He's up to 18 points. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, first four has begun. That is the uh, play-in level of the NCAA tournament. I know the uh, tournament hates that, but uh, out to a pretty quick start. Well, actually kind of trending under right now. I know a lot of people were on the uh, over. I think the total was 158. It's 28-22 right now. As uh, Texas Corpus Christi is, it was 153 and a half as the total. 28-22, Corpus Christi over SEMO. 28-22, 3.30 left in the first half. Uh, Pitt and Mississippi State, two eleven seeds playing in at 6 o'clock. Do you care at all about what your Michigan Wolverines are doing? Nope. Now you don't even hope, want to hear. hope they get blown out. Why? Just another bad luck and... Your goal is just you just you just you're just done. You're done with time to move on. You're done with Howard. I was done the day they hired him. Yeah, you didn't like the hire. And I didn't I was I was actually not happy when they were having success because it meant he was gonna be there longer. Hmm. Toledo, not led by, but uh, six points from I had a good year. Ray J. Dennis, remember him on yeah. Boise State? Oh, yeah. Ever twenty points a game for Toledo. How about that? He's a hell of a player on that level. 20 points, six rebounds, four assists. So right now, Michigan trailing in that one. Uh, identical score to the uh, first four game, 28-22. Again, Michigan down 
against Toledo, and they're on their their home floor. Only NIT game that matters. It's six o'clock. Did you uh, do you bet the NIT? Sure. If there's, we're a, talking good, if there's a, a good spot. I'm sorry. We were talking to Von Tobel yesterday about motivation, uh, especially the teams that were just outside the tournament. If they're going to be all fired up, like is Michigan. I'm watching Rutgers now against Hofstra. Like they're going to come out like a buzzsaw, or they look at it like, what? Really? We got to play in this? Yeah. I mean, but you also have to be a little bit careful. Like, you know, it can go multiple ways. So I just said the only game that matters to me, six o'clock today in the NIT, is Yale Vandy. Vandy probably thought that they had a good chance to be in. They're probably disappointed to not be in. I'll tell you this. Yale's worse. Yale's worse. Yeah. Yale should. <laughs> what was Yale's deal in the Ivy? Uh, they they It's a neutral site, but it's announced before the season, and it was in Princeton, right. and they played Princeton. Even though Yale's on their, the one on seed, they had to play at Princeton in the championship game and uh, just didn't have, didn't have their best game, um, and it was just a couple of days ago. So just, you know, very frustrating, obviously. Uh, it was Sunday morning, just two days ago, yeah. and now they're out there playing Vandy. But you could also say, hey, it's a chance to – beat an sec school on the road in the nit in a national stage like maybe that's pretty nice but um i think the frustration is certainly there yeah and and for people who hear this like not all handicapping should be on emotion but it is important with with college kids you don't know what the motivation is going to be after being disappointed uh i'm going to go back to this well again what do you think the wallers are thinking right now waller and plum on the fact that darren waller just got traded he and Kelsey Plum just got married. Kelsey Plum, of course, one of the stars of the Aces. Now he now, for much of the year, he'll have to reside somewhere in the New Jersey, New York area to play for the Giants. Well, complicated even more by the fact that technically he was traded by her boss. That is the other thing that's fascinating. It has the you know, again, we look to social media. Um, Aces availability isn't you know readily available. Um, what's her first comment? Boss signs the checks. Or what, are you going to annihilate Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels for screwing you guys over? Or, you know, trade is, you, you traded Darren Waller during our honeymoon? By well, the way, well, I just, I'll throw it out there. Anyone who's surprised by the timing of anything or what appears to be a lack of loyalty or cutthroat moves, I have said this a million times, I'll say it again. This is what Mark Davis, in to some extent, signed up for. I think he even said it, like, there needs to be some some folks who are not emotional about the Raiders running the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's going to be hard decisions that have to be made, and Darren Waller is a fan favorite. I think a little bit of that weighing this last year, but for folks out there, like I, McDaniel's, like that's who they hired. They hired Patriots West. <laughs> yeah, no question. And uh, you're seeing some of the moves. And look, the, they. It's not like. They're making moves just to anger people or just to cause controversy or cause a stir or anything like that. They are making moves that they believe are best for the team, whether they're right or wrong. We'll find out. But they, they're doing things that they believe is going to put them in the best position to win. And right now they felt they'd be better with that salary off the books and that player not in the locker room. And that's the move that they made. So um, time will tell if they're right. Again, I don't think that they're trying to win right now. But, you know, we'll see what how they're judged when their time is over here. Uh, in Las Vegas and the time that they're given to try to build the franchise the way that they think it should be done. And they're going with guys that they think they're comfortable with. They, they got a third round pick for Waller is a better way to look at this. Since the moves are so close that they got a third round pick and Jacoby Myers for Waller and they get Jacoby Myers for cheaper than Waller. So they got a, a, a big receiver, good size receiver who can play inside. 
96 catches a year ago. And a third round pick for Waller and they're saving money. That's probably, yeah, that's how you should look at it. That's right. what they did. <laughs> like that was the move that they made. And they could, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Foster Morrow, but they, you know, they've got potential. And by the way, this is one of the deepest tight end classes we've seen in the draft in a long time. Maybe that pick 100. That might be too late for some of the elite ones, but there's probably some good, some good guys there that they can get to. Do you have Dalton Kincaid mocked higher than that? Vegas kid? Uh, Yeah. From Utah? Yeah. His first round. Mo- most. How many tight ends do you have going on the first round? Two. Mo- but most, most mocks right now have Kincaid going higher than Mayer. That's I don't. A, that, that's a hell of a story. Yeah, I don't, but a lot of guys do. All right, next move. I'm not saying it has to be the next move, but the market is going to dry up a little bit. I'm not crazy for thinking that one of the priorities from here has to be to get a backup quarterback. The, the plan wouldn't be Jimmy G, who's missed 30 games. Jimmy G at the one as QB1. And QB two is someone you draft. Yeah, that's the plan. Really, you don't think they're going to spend decent money on a backup? I wouldn't. You still well, got Garbers. Well, around because you want to tank, of course. But they're not. They're not spending and making moves like they want to tank. Like, I don't know. They just. I mean, if if they traded a wall, you don't get Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I mean, look, I think they're trying to build for two years, three years. They want those guys around when they are good again. And, and the, the hope would be the real hope, the hope, the ultimate hope is that Garoppolo is the backup. That's, that's the dream. That they'd get a, a first or a second round quarterback who would win the job before the season. No, like four five, six weeks in. Oh, wow. Sure. For $22 million. That, that, that you draft somebody who's that good in practice that you're like, wow, we got to go with this guy. That ultimately so that Russ, should be the goal so for is, every team. This is Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn. Sure. Do I have yeah. the right quarterback? Is yes. that who was in front of yeah. Russell Wilson where they're like, hey, we're good. And Russ be, is a project in the third round. Not, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, boy, by the better. Way, by the way, this is not a knock on Garoppolo right. or anything. Right. That should be the goal. for. By the way, the Chiefs' goal should be to draft a quarterback who blows you away and is better than Mahomes and he plays over Mahomes. That should be the goal for every team. Why wouldn't you want that? So, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. But in this scenario, guy, you wouldn't guarantee – Garoppolo, $35 million. He essentially has two years locked in. Yeah. Backup quarterback market. One, uh, they what was the deal with Stidham? They couldn't get him to stay around. He's He's got a $10 million deal, but only with incentives. I mean, he's still going to make good money, very good money. Yeah. Um, they couldn't get him to stay around for like two years and six mil. Or they didn't want him. Okay. I mean, again, now, now you're paying because now, now you've got a room with a first or second round pick, most likely, and Garoppolo. And Stid- like, where would Stidham fit in on that? Right now, he's going to be the clear backup, I would think. Well, he would be the clear backup here, even with unless they unless they took someone number one, which I still think the guy they might get at number one, unless someone goes crazy over AR fifteen. If they get Aaron, Aaron, if they get Anthony Richardson, like he's not, he's a project. He's not ready to be the the two right away. Again, well, how do you know, like you don't know that he comes in and just blows you away. My my guess is that he's not. But would Stidham and and this Stidham looking at it? Okay, but is Stidham is Stidham looking at this and saying, "All right, I'll come in and be the number two to Garoppolo, and then have a guy right behind me that's that will supplant me at any time as the number two when he's good in practice." 
Like right. I think here you're the you're the number two. You're clearly the number two against a guy who could potentially get hurt. Mike White to uh, the Dolphins behind Tua. That's that's a good job for him. You know, if, if Tua continues to have problems, Sam Darnold in the mix with uh, two and a quarter quarterbacks later in the year. It'll be three. Sam Darnold on the Niners. Taylor Heineke signs in Atlanta. I can't imagine he's going to be the starter. Uh, my idea yesterday because. Uh, you know, it's a system guy. Maybe everything dries up for him and he lands here. But Jacoby Brissett, I think, would be a great backup because he was from the Patriots system. And then you just mentioned a little while ago, about an hour ago, Andy Dalton, who actually had a very underrated year with the Saints. His numbers were good. 18 yeah. touchdowns, nine interceptions, about 67% completion. Dalton has signed in Carolina where I, I'm i guessing that he's good with, hey, you're going to play, but you're also here to help our next guy, our number one pick. So if you're cool with being a mentor, then we want you. So Dalton to the Panthers. Yeah. And and I know I saw, I saw a lot of people speculating that if Dalton is on the Panthers, that means they're not taking Anthony Richardson uh, because Richardson maybe not as available right away. But and that you would you would not have a guy like Dalton say he's the starter and bring Richardson in, who's not going to be ready for me for the whole year, you would you would say Dalton is more of a backup to a guy like C.J. Stroud. Uh, so I, I think people are – optics, the I think, Yeah, I think people are trying to read too much into it, but, yeah, that's where we're at. Well, Raiders uh, should be kicking the tires on legit veteran backups. Adam says uh, might not be the case, and number two might be drafted. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400, offices in Henderson, Las Vegas, and Reno. Call from anywhere in the state, 766-1400. Thank you guys again. Faithful, thank you very much for everything. It's been crazy, man. Just uh, all the comebacks at Levi's, comebacks on the road, ups and downs. It's, it's been a hell of a ride, guys. I love you guys. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Love you too, Jimmy G. Boy, things got a little too personal yesterday. Huh. Got ugly on the air. It's a sad, it's a sad time. No, it was a very happy time. Oh. I mean, it just it got uncomfortable because uh, I was just talking about getting lost in Jimmy G's eyes. Very good-looking guy. Oh, well, he's coming to Vegas. And then I tried so, to compare and contrast with the ex, Derek Carr, and I was like, eh, Carr's got nice eyes too. So, But, I mean, Jimmy G in Vegas, single Jimmy G in Vegas is a thing. We, uh, we actually – we basically put you on a beat that I don't even know exists. The beat was, uh, with all your connections in town, how much does – uh, James Garoppolo enjoy the uh, the lady scene and also the strip club scene, but I don't. All I know is he had that one deal where he dated a porn star, and people have turned it into like he's going to go crazy in Vegas. Wasn't she up your alley though? Wasn't she an aging porn star? I think she was. Yeah, she was yeah. a veteran. Yeah, top heavy veteran. That's yeah. So it should be yeah. your beat. It's not my. It's not my beat. Literally. <laughs> well, it's not the strip. That yeah, actually, as Willie said yesterday, the strip club beats uh, did exist in the past. With myself and and Willie, but not so much anymore. I'm not an expert on that stuff. You're out of the game. It's fine. Well, we don't. We used to do. I mean, there was a point where we were, we were doing like a hundred shows a year at a, like 250 at a at a gentleman's club. Should probably go back to that. We'll work on it for you. I know you. I know that's. I know you feel very comfortable. The distractions are actually less because you know you just you're comfortable. You're comfortable. <laughs> All right, final four. Adam's never comfortable in contesting and picking Final Fours. Here's what we got so far. Uh, Willie came in with his Bracket Contest Final Four. This is our LV Sports Network Bracket Contest brought to you by Dollar Loan Center. 
and South Point. There's a staycation at South Point worth upwards of $1,000 for the winner. The winner also gets $2,500 in cash from DLC, LVSportsNetwork.com. Willie's Final Four was Alabama, Duke, Kansas, Indiana. JVT's was Alabama, Duke, Houston, Gonzaga. Adams is? Alabama. Oh, no. Everyone. This is the, the worst. I'm I'm picking Alabama mostly for the uncomfortability of yeah. I mean when you hear Greg Gumble try to talk about it, uh it's gonna get worse and worse the did, further they go. Did you hear the chant at the SEC tournament? Yeah, and I can't even remember what it was. It's pretty easy. Brandon Miller. Brandon Killer. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Brian, but, uh, pretty, there's another pretty one. mean. There was a loss of life here, and it's not. There was another matter. one though that I think that was different than that. Oh, that really? Yeah, there's there's several. But it's it's gonna get that's gonna get worse and the they don't want to talk about it. The NCAA is going to tell them not to talk about it, and they're going to have to try to figure out like his Greg Gumbel's Alabama sidestep some legal issues. <laughs> like what? What? Like it, it's going to be hard. Like I'm not even putting it on him. It's a tough thing to do when your bosses are saying, "Hey, leave this alone," and you have to try to discuss it. So the further they go, the better. So I, I'm excited for that. Uh, so I have Alabama, Alabama, Purdue. Purdue. I, I don't know anyone who's picked Purdue. Really. And they're number one seed. I mean, Duke is too trendy for me. And I a lot do, of Duke I do picks. think I don't get that at all. Duke was my original pick, and then Not everybody really. everybody started going nuts about it. Why were they your original pick? Uh seventeen and one with the full roster. Okay. They've been really, really good when everybody's healthy and they're healthy right now. So when you start looking at some of the losses and saying, Oh, they lost ooh, this was ugly, this was ugly. Yeah, people were hurt. Seventeen to one with the full roster. That that's impressive, and they're obviously playing at a really high level right now. Uh, but I had to get off it because too many other people brought it. And you're right. Purdue is a one seed with the best player in the country, and nobody's picking him. So, best college player, I should say. Certainly mm-hmm. not the best NBA prospect. No. Uh, so, I, I'm on Purdue. Texas, I'm on. Rodney Terry. Sure. I am kind of rooting for Rodney Terry to make the Final Four. I hope he gets the job. I don't think they want to give him the job. I still don't think it would be enough. Yeah. Can you imagine he makes the Final Four, yeah. and they're like, nope, we got to get a big name in here. And one, I think Sasser's injury is, is very interesting with Houston, so – uh, that's tough. And the Zags coming out of the West. I'm down with that. Aren't they too soft, though, Adam? What happens when they go against a physical team? They'll be fine. All the East Coast. Players. A lot of injuries for UCLA, too. That's part of it. Yeah, well, Mick Cronin almost got into a fight on behalf of his dad, his dad yeah. who I think started a fight. Yeah. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. All right, let's bring in Sam Paniatovich here. On this Tuesday, we're tracking some uh, college basketball right now at the half of the first four with SEMO and Texas Corpus Christi. It is 33-27. Corpus Christi is on top. The total in that game, I saw a lot of people playing the over, was uh, 158 and a half. Sammy's in. What's up, Sam? Not a whole lot, boys. Trying to get my tournament on, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yes. Uh, Wait, what does that mean? What do you mean? Something, it means I'm just, trying to gamble on college basketball, Hill. Yeah, you know exactly just, what it means. Just something people say. Get my tournament on. Um, this is weird. Three of the four hosts on the show have Alabama going to the Final Four. Would you like to join in and also pick Alabama? What's your Final Four? So I actually have Bama and Zona meeting in the regional final. I know. Extremely bold to have the one and the two meet. Um, but I like Arizona's experience yeah. and their size. I know, I know, they barely beat UCLA, down a couple of guys, but, but Zona plays sort of an unconventional style in the common game, right? They don't shoot a lot of threes. 
But really, it's hard to slow down their pace, and, and they dictate tempo in every game they're in for the most part. And I think Tabellis is, is the best player on the court more times than not. That'd be fascinating to watch Bama Zona, but I think Bama's reluctant to do anything but shoot threes and get dunks is going to hurt them. You, you, you can't live by the three in the tournament and win six games in a row. So I'm going to short Bama, take Zona in that region. Okay. Rest of the Final Four? Uh, I got Marquette, which I hate because everybody picks Marquette. And, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I've been shorting Purdue, as you know, Steve. I've been, I've been tweeting about it for two months. I think they're fraudulent as hell. And I, I have Purdue going out in round two to Memphis. So I had to go to the bottom of the bracket, and it was either Duke or Marquette. And I, just, I ended up with, with Marquette uh, because the regional final is at the Garden. That's a big deal for them in New York. They just won the Big 12 or the Big East there, excuse me. And then uh, top right, Texas, my champ, which I've had since November. And bottom right, I'm going Kansas. Hmm. Right. So a lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of chalk there. Adam was all over Texas. I was. Well, it's funny because everybody talks about, oh, this is the most wide open it's ever been. We say the same stupid thing every single year, and it's never the case. Like, I I feel like six of the last eight years we've talked about, oh, my God, it's such a wide open field. And then you look up in the Final Four, and it's two ones and two twos. It's the same movie every single season. I don't think it's very wide open. You know, there are probably seven teams that can win the title, and, and I think the lowest on the board is, is probably UConn out of that West. That West is going to be a fascinating region. I actually have Kansas clipping UConn, and I really wanted to put Gonzaga past Kansas, but, you know, Bill Self being on the sidelines is a big deal, whether people realize it or not. Absolutely, yes. All right, let's let's uh, let's go through some first-round games by the betting uh, to- uh, totals and spreads. First of all, um, I've seen people on the other side of Mizzou and Utah State. Um, Utah State's pretty high-powered offensively. Mizzou can score. The total's 155. Yeah, I bet over 153, 154, and 155. So I'm pretty bullish on this one. Uh, these two offenses, they don't play at Arizona-type tempo, but they're so efficient, man. I mean, they're just very, very good at putting the ball in the basket. They can make twos, make threes, and they also they don't turn the ball over. So – It'll be one of those games where I think it's going to be in the 80s, like uh, like an 85-81 type final. Uh, that's 166. That's going to be more than enough. And then I don't know if you guys caught Jay Wright this year. It was his first selection Sunday on the desk. He said this game might be in the 90s, which I don't know that I'm there yet. But, but these two offenses, even on bad games, have the ability to get over because they just take shots and make shots. And, and they can pretty much stick it from anywhere. I love the over in Missouri-Utah State. You think Furman-Duke is going to be close, five and a half? Well, Furman-Virginia. Furman-Virginia is the, the matchup Duke, in that one. Bad. Oral Roberts Sorry. gets Duke, um, but we'll talk about Oral in a second. Um, you know, Furman has the sort of, sort of the blueprint to beat Virginia because you have to execute well, pass the basketball well, make the extra pass, skip it across, and you have to make your, your two-pointers. And Furman is, is very efficient at doing that. And I think that's, you know, you have to pay attention to these matchups here. You know, it's one thing to take, you know, two random teams and put them together. But we do get these, these brackets, and we can see what teams do well. How about Furman, number 10 in effective field goals, and they are number one in the country at making two-point shots. They make 60% of their two-point shots. That is how you beat the pressure defense that, that Virginia throws at you. It's not so much a press but it's a stylistic crawl. Uh, 
and Furman has the ability with a lot of upper-class guards to move the ball around, get good shots, and make good shots. And, yeah, I, I took five and a half with Furman. I don't know if they win the game outright, but I wouldn't be stunned if they did. Steve just mentioned Duke. You you might be going against the entire world because everyone is betting Duke right now. Yeah, and you know what, Adam? That sort of plays into the whole notion of taking the points here. You know, if this wasn't Duke, like if we just put a piece of – you know, duct tape across the front of their jerseys and put Oregon on the front. Right? Let's say it's let's say it's Oral Roberts against Oregon. This line is four, four and a half. But because it's Duke and the prestige that surrounds Duke, and also look, Duke has been pretty good as of late. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, nine games in a row, and, and that's all built into this. But the good thing about Oral Roberts is that they are so efficient. I just talked about the efficiency for Furman. How about Oral Roberts? Top 10 in field goal percentage. They are the lowest turnover team in the entire country. They make twos, they make threes, and they make 78% of their free throws. These are the type of teams that are going to give you a fight. And, and again, like, look, is, is Oral Roberts going to cover 10 times out of 10? No, but it's a math game. And I think the way that they push the tempo and, and make their shots, they're going to be in this ball game. Like, this will be – a two-point game with five minutes to go. And if that's the case, I will take the sure-handed guards and I will take the team that makes its free throws. I think Oral Roberts has every opportunity to cover this game. I'd like Duke to make a run, but that's not the conversation. Who covers the game? And I am not laying six and a half with Duke, especially, guys, considering this is John Shire's first-ever NCAA tournament game. That has to count for something. I see that you know you were going against the ACC a little bit, and it was a little bit of a down year for them. You do seem to be on the Big Ten, several plays in the Big Ten. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a fair observation. I, I, to be fair, as I said, I don't like Purdue. I, I don't think Illinois is any good. And I don't like any of these teams to make deep runs. I think the furthest I have a Big Ten team going is into the round of 32, because uh, I got Northwestern losing to UCLA, and I got Penn State losing to Texas, of course, because I got the Horns winning the whole thing. But Northwestern has two really good guards, and and I, you know, you guys have talked buckets with me for years now. I love upper class guards in this tournament, and it's done really well for me over the years. They got two guys, Boo Booey and Chase Adige. Boo Booey not only is it a great tournament name, but he's a guy who can get you twenty five, thirty points a game. They defend well. Chris Collins has done a bang-up job this year with that team. I laid the money line with Northwestern minus a quarter. And then Penn State, I mean, look, they they could have beat Purdue. They really could have at the end of that game. And uh, Shrewsbury is going to end up taking a high-profile job. He's a really good coach. He makes great adjustments. I think Penn State plus three against A&M is a good bet. But in the general scheme of things, like, I have no Big Ten teams making deep runs. I just I like a select couple in the first round. Sam Paniotovich from Nesson, also Fox Sports. You're going to make a run at uh, St. Mary's again, minus four going up against VCU. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I guess you don't have to, but but I have to. And, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll fall on the sword. I thought St. Mary's was a decent bet last week against Gonzaga, and they got absolutely smoked in that game. But I think that sort of plays into a lot of the perception of this game. You know, I, I watched this open up offshore, Mary's minus three. And it got whacked immediately to three and a half. And then it got whacked again, and it basically painted four. Yet I made two phone calls today to Vegas. Chris Andrews, South Point, Ed Sammons at the Westgate. And they both said, 
nobody's betting St. Mary's. And what I mean by that is, you know, seven or eight of ten tickets are on the dog here. And that's, like, guys, that's the worst place to be in the tournament. When you're on that public underdog in the first round, it's just not a good outcome more times than not. And Mary's, look, Mary's got drubbed, but Mary's didn't, like, they didn't do anything wrong aside from missed shots. They don't, they're very efficient with the basketball. They don't make mistakes. They just got beat by a better team. And now VCU is a pressure-type defense. They rely on your turnovers. If you don't turn the ball over, you can beat VCU handily. And Mary's is good enough to beat VCU by a couple buckets here. So, yeah, I laid four with the Gales. Hopefully they're working on the press break. I watched them against BYU give up a 30-point lead because they could not handle the press. Uh, So hopefully they've had some time to practice. And they did because they played early. Uh, So I think that's what they're working on. Real quick and going with the Big Ten, uh, I was breaking some stuff down with some people yesterday. There is a number for the Big Ten. I believe it's eight total tournament wins. Sounds like you like the under. No shot. Yeah, I'm under big time. I think that's a really bad number. I I think that a lot of that, though, Adam, is – is priced into Purdue being the regional favorite uh, at the bottom left of the bracket. But I, I have Purdue going out to Memphis, as I have told pretty much every show I've been on. You know, the one thing you have to do against Purdue is be physical. I don't care how big you are or how strong you are. You have to play that way. And Memphis, not only do they pressure, which no teams in the Big Ten do, no teams press and pressure in the Big Ten, like nobody. Memphis does. They have two kids that are six nine that weigh 230 and 260, they are going to throw forearms into the back of Zach Eady. And we shall see. Look, I, I live in the Big Ten. I'm from Chicago. I've covered this league for a long time. Most big guys in the Big Ten are small white guys. That, that's not the case with Memphis, if you know what I mean. It's going to be a much different matchup. And if Zach Eady is off in this tournament, they're going to have a hard time winning games. So I, I think, look, if you take Purdue out in the second round, I don't find a way where the Big Ten gets eight wins, especially considering how weak Illinois has been. You look at Iowa, they could lose in the first round. Michigan State might lose in the first round, even though I do kind of like them. There's no Big Ten team that is primed to make a deep run of the Final Four, and I stand by that. Last one with Sam. we got about a minute here. Uh, Grand Canyon going against Gonzaga. You like the Zags to roll? Oh, man. Grand Canyon is basically playing Grand Canyon on steroids. You know, anything you can do, I can do better. There is no way Grand Canyon can stop Gonzaga's offense. They are number one in offensive efficiency. And aside from that, they make the shots all over the court, from two, from three, from the line. I honestly, like, when Chris Andrews opened this game 17, I thought that was a really good number. Now it's come down a little bit, but this has blowout written all over it. Grand Canyon, good. Gonzaga, great. And that's the difference. Sammy, we appreciate it. Good luck. I hope you win uh, all of these. I was going to say a bunch. No, all of them. Screw it. Let's get greedy. You win all of them. I need to know Hill's champion. Who you got? Gonzaga. Oh, okay. I, really? I like it. It's bold. <laughs> I don't think it happens, but I like it. Yeah. yeah. I had uh, I have Houston beating Arizona. Oh, I don't care about what you have. <laughs> I know. I know. I get it. I get it. I get, I get where your heart is. All right, Sam. We'll you, talk hey, to you you've been on Houston, man. I love that for you. You've been on that for months. I mentioned it last year that I thought it was a good bet for the national championship after – it's not – it wasn't like this – you know, they weren't 50-1 to 1 at the time, but I knew they had a lot of guys back and they had a good recruiting class, and they're legit. They're very legit. All right, Sam. We'll see you, yep, buddy. they are. See you. Sasser's groin. It's a real issue.
Did uh, have you played team drafts or have you done any contests with team drafts or player drafts yet for the NCAA tournament? Uh, no, nothing. Oh, I know you're doing too. a team one, right? Well, I, I was gone. I was supposed to do it on Sunday, but I was gone. Oh, so you didn't get in. I wasn't. I wasn't available to do you it. You know, our so. Kansas City friends have the uh, the player draft. I don't know if they need someone, but you might want to get in that I don't one. No, I'm in. Really? Sure. Okay. Could we expand the field by two? You and I on you know having different sure. teams. Would they go for that? Sure. I will get into negotiations on that. The more money, the more, I mean, free contests we're in. 